Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. You guys know I love Noonday Collection. They are a socially responsible brand that uses fashion to create meaningful opportunity for over 4,500 artisans and their families around the world. When you purchase Noonday accessories, you are helping keep families together, send children to school, and build a flourishing world. Noonday Collection just launched their fall line, and you're going to love it. Head on over to NoondayCollection.com slash Jamie Ivy to check out my top five favorite fall pieces and get connected to a local Noonday ambassador to shop their brand new collection as well. That's NoondayCollection.com slash Jamie Ivy. You guys, happy September. September's here. Let me tell you, it's still hot here in Texas. Let's just be real. But it's September, which means it's football season. Most of our kids are back in school. You're going to get pumpkin spice everything. I love the fall so much. Today, you're listening to episode number 209. And my guest is my friend, Jenna Kutcher. Jenna and I met last year, speaking of Noonday Collection, on a trip that we both went on with Noonday Collection to Guatemala. Although I had been listening to Jenna's podcast for a while, it was my first time that I met her in person. Jenna and her husband are expecting their first child soon, and so that is super exciting. Today, we talk about what it was like for her walking through infertility. We talk about that journey, and we also talk about how she started her whole journey as a wedding photographer. You're going to love hearing her story of getting from point A to point B, where she is now. Also, you guys, if you follow Jenna on Instagram, you know that she is now a model for Aerie. Guys, if you don't listen to Jenna's podcast, go find it now. It's called Goal Digger Podcast. She also has tons of online classes. If you're looking to grow your email list, your Instagram, your Pinterest, whatever, she's got lots of stuff to offer you guys. You guys know that I love connecting with you. I really love it. It's no secret that my favorite way to do this is over Instagram. Come find me over there. You can search for Jamie Ivy or search hashtag the happy hour Jamie Ivy, and you can find everything people are talking about the show with. You guys, this month of September for our happy hour book club, we're reading my book, If You Only Knew. I'd love for you to join us and share with me all the ways that you're enjoying your own happy hour book club. Use the hashtag happy hour book club to enter a contest. We're going to take all of the hashtags of the Happy Hour Book Club, and we're going to maybe have a special surprise for a winner. So grab some girlfriends, grab a book, put a picture up, tell me that you're reading it with friends, hashtag it, Happy Hour Book Club, and we're going to have something special at the end of the month for a winner. Okay, you guys, here is my conversation with Jenna. Hey, Jenna, welcome to the Happy Hour. I am so excited to put the happiness into this hour with you. Like, seriously, this is a dream for me. So thank you for having me. I'm so excited. The, the only thing that would make this better, and I say this a lot, but this is, I'm like real, because we have hung out before <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for like a happy hour, kind of, maybe we can, whatever, a happy three days. If we were together in person, having a real happy hour. I know. I would be there in a heartbeat. I would actually love to be at your camp and doing it there. I think that would be perfect. Yep. You need to do one of your, I'm just throwing this out here. You need to do one of your masterminds out there. I know. It's on my list. It's It's, a dream. (laughs) um, Okay. Well, 
Welcome to the show. If anyone doesn't know Jenna Kutcher, tell them real quick the literally elevator pitch about your life. So I'm 30 years old. I live in small town, Minnesota. At the age of 23, I decided to get out of the corporate gig. I bought a $300 camera and started as a wedding photographer with no education, no background, no schooling. And now seven years later, I've shot over 130 weddings and we're closing that chapter of the book and kind of expanding in other ways. So I host the Gold Digger podcast. I teach other entrepreneurs how to authentically market their businesses. And I am currently growing a baby in my stomach. <laughs> that's, that's the best elevator pitch I've ever heard in my entire life. Oh, well, you thank you that. so yeah, much. So good. People ask me like, what do you do, Jamie? I'm like, I don't know what I do. I have to practice it. Okay. So I have so many places that we're going to go today in this conversation. First, to give people a little bit of background, uh, we met in person last year. We traveled to Guatemala mm-hmm. with Noonday Collection, and it was fun. That was my first time to the country, and so it was fun to see the country um, with new friends. But I also, I have bought some of your teaching guides. Like I am a fan of yours as a personal friend, but also as a businesswoman, you have a lot of insight, and you're only 30, which is so <laughs> amazing. You said that, and I wrote down, I literally wrote down seven years. Like that's seven mm-hmm. years is what you've done. So I want to talk business first. And then for all you mamas that are like, I want to hear about her baby. We're going to talk baby <laughs> next. Okay. Perfect. So business first, Jenna, when I hear that as someone who I started a little bit late in the game, I'm 40. I started my podcast four years ago. And so seven years, it gives a lot of hope of that. You started with zero knowledge of what became your career. Like yeah. to me, None. that screams the world is your oyster. Is that the saying? Is that how you yes. say it? Yes. <laughs> That's what that screams is you can do anything. So tell me why a camera? Like why yeah. a camera? So Drew and I, my husband and I, we were fresh out of college and we were planning our own wedding. And when I look back, you know, there were signs that photography could have been in my future. I was that girl at the college parties, taking pictures and putting weird filters on them. Um, But at the time we were planning our wedding and I wanted to have a nice camera for the wedding shower and the rehearsal dinner and all that kind of stuff. And when I say nice, I mean, it was a $300 camera. So it wasn't anything out of this world, but I made Drew model for me and poor guy. We have some hilarious photos of him, Uh, but I really just fell in love. And I think a lot of times when you start pursuing what you think you want to do, which for me, I thought I wanted to be in the corporate world. I thought I wanted this nine to five and this window filled office. And I ended up kind of in this pit and I worked for Target, a great company, but it just wasn't the right fit for me. And so every day showing up in red and khaki and being buried under a pile of paper work and working in the stores where you just kind of felt like a glorified team member, um, I knew there was something more. And I kind of lost that creativity that I had grown up with. And so I just started taking pictures for fun. Uh, but then I decided I'm going to start a blog. Uh, and this is, you know, before blogs were so common. Um, and we started to really get people that were following it. And then I just kind of started to take pictures of other people and put it out there. But I was always somebody who valued time. I think time is my biggest motivator, not money, but like, how am I spending my time? Because how I spend my days is how I spend my life. And so I was like, if I'm going to be spending time on this, then I need to be making money. And that was kind of when the business was born. You know, what you just said is something that I think a lot of women who are starting in a new career, a hobby that they want to turn into a business that they really struggle with the fact that you just said, if I'm going to be spending time on this, I should be making money at it. 
Yes. And I think that that's the biggest issue is that we don't feel worthy of getting paid to do what we love. We have always been raised that work is work and passion is passion. And when those two can mix in a beautiful way, I think that is when true success happens. But we almost feel guilty charging money when we're doing something we truly enjoy. That is what it is. And if you truly enjoy it, you think, oh, I should just be like doing this. You know, for example, I have a friend who's about to take some photos for me. Mm -hmm. We're friends, but I'm going to pay her for her work because Mm -hmm. it's her passion and she's good at it and she deserves to be doing that. Okay, so you get a camera, you start taking pictures, you've got a blog. Where did you get into wedding photography? (laughs) So at the time I was planning our wedding and we were super poor. Like we had pizza at our wedding. Legitimately, we had no money. We were out of college. And so can I tell you that in like, if you were in Austin, you're like, we're serving pizza. They're like, this is the best wedding we've ever been to. It was amazing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is seven years ago pre-Pinterest. And so, uh, you know, we were doing things as best as we could at the time. But I knew what my experience as a bride was. And I was just enamored with the industry. I, I love marriage. I love love stories. And I knew what I wanted as a bride. And when I look back, what is so cool is that at the time, I was my ideal client. And so, I decided like, I love weddings. Drew's brother and his wife got married in Jamaica and they knew I had just bought this camera. And they were like, you know what? We really don't want to pay the resort to uh, take our photos. Would you just be willing to snap a few pictures? And I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. And looking back, oh my goodness, I did so many funny things. I like hung the dress up in a palm tree and I took like eight bajillion photos of their rings on top of like a beer can and just all of these really weird things. Um, But I had this vision where I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make it look like the weddings look in the magazines. Mm -hmm. And so after that first wedding, I was just so on fire. And I figured out, I'm like, if I can figure out how to convince 25 brides to hire me, I could match my salary and quit this job. And so that was when the real hustle began. And so many people are like, well, how the heck did you get 25 brides? I was that girl that like anytime uh, Facebook said so-and-so got engaged, I would shoot them a message and say, hey, I don't know if you know, but I'm actually a wedding photographer and I'm looking for weddings for next year. If you're interested in hiring me, let me know. And so I really, really hustled um, and I invested into this quote business uh, and I was able to leave my job within a year. And so that began this whole career in an area where I had no education in, but I'd gone to school for business. And I think that that was the best thing that ever happened to me because I can learn the art and I can feel how to be creative, but nobody ever told me how to actually make money doing something that I loved. Mm. You know what I also love that you just said is that you just straight up sent them a message like, hey, I am a wedding photographer. Not like, hey, I just bought a camera and I could do it for like cheap. I'm trying. (laughs) You're like, I am Jenna Kutcher, the wedding photographer. Yes. I just remember I would sit down with these clients and the best thing was is that I was a bride myself and so we could talk wedding like mm-hmm. it was a foreign language and they didn't even honestly care that much about my experience at the end of the day because I could talk to her in a way that I knew she wanted to be seen and heard and so when I look back at that it was a total fake it till you make it situation but at the same point too I knew from my own experience what I valued, what I wanted. And so I brought that to the table. And I think that that relationship said so much more than any piece of marketing ever could. It's so true. Whenever you're with someone and you feel like 
they actually care about what they're doing with mm-hmm. you, you'll call them back to service your refrigerator next time again. You know, yes. and, and every kind of silly thing that happens, we just, our air conditioner went out and the guy was so kind. He was so kind. I don't even know if he did a good job, but we're going to call him again. You're like, so if our nice. air conditioner goes out tomorrow, you'll be back. Thank you, sir. You'll be back. Thank you. I don't care if you're not doing good work. You're so nice. Um, okay. So this is great. You started your business. Within a year, you're quitting your corporate job and you're doing something that you really love. But what I know is in those seven years, a lot more happened than just you becoming a wedding photographer. Give us the little couple of things of how life has changed from a business standpoint. Let's still start. Let's still stick with business. From a business standpoint, those seven years, more than just Jenna Kutcher, the wedding photographer, came out of that. Yeah. So I actually had a pretty big identity crisis. And I think so many women can relate to this. And so my entire life has been summed up in titles. When I was a kid, I was a gymnast. When I was in college, I was a diver. And then I became this wedding photographer. And that was what I found my identity in. And when I look back over the last seven years, what ended up happening is that I believed the lie of more, that more equals more. And so the first year I did 25 weddings. The second year I did 20 seven weddings. By the third year, I was named the best wedding photographer in Wisconsin and I took on 30 weddings. And I thought that more work was like more to be glorified about me, that it meant something about me. But in that third year, I hit absolute and complete burnout. When you think about the Midwest wedding season, I was shooting 30 weddings between the months of April and October, which means I was doing double headers. I was shooting almost every single weekend and I really didn't have a life. And so I remember just being so exhausted that I could collapse and I loved my clients so dearly, but I knew that I had to cut back or I would be entirely out of the industry that I worked so hard to get into. And so my husband and I sat down and I was a breadwinner and I said, what is this going to look like moving forward? Because I cannot do this again. And so we decided to cut the amount of weddings I took in half down to 16. And I said, I don't care if I'm making half of the money I'm making. I don't care about six figures. I don't care about any of that. I want a life back. And that was the single best move I made. Because once I cut back, I realized I'm passionate in other areas. I'm good at other things. I actually can teach people the ways that I built this six-figure business in three years flat. And I want to help other people see what's possible for them and to stop the glorification of busy. And so that was when the education side of my business started. And it really started just as mentoring other photographers and saying, here are the things I did right. Here's what I did entirely wrong. And here's how you can actually get paid to do what you love. And I knew that at some point I needed to make that scalable because doing one-on-one, whether it's anything you're doing, whether it's photography shoots or mentoring or teaching somebody or creating custom orders, you can't scale that in any sort of way. And so um, looking back over the last seven years, I cut back on photography and started focusing on all of these other facets of growing a business. And that's kind of what has led me to where I am today. Which, what is your job title today? I mean, I don't really cling to what titles anymore. What would you put on a business card, Jenna? Oh, what would you Lord. put on a business card? Someone asked me for oh. a business card the other day and I was like, I have not printed a business card in like four years. But I think if I had a business card today, uh, it would be podcaster, educator, and girl next door because not like much that. has changed about who I am. But this day and age now, I am teaching thousands of entrepreneurs how to market themselves and how to really 
kind of break the chains on feeling free to be who they are and understanding that those things that they think are holding them back, those might be the actual things that connect them to other human beings. Um, And so now my work just looks so different, but I get to work from home in my yoga pants and that is pretty much the best thing in the world. And you also go to Hawaii every year for a month. Can we just throw that in there? Yes, yes. So we will be in Hawaii for almost three months total this year. We own a condo there. Actually, spoiler alert, we just bought a second condo like yesterday. (laughs) Um, And so we're just really excited about having spaces that we can share with our friends and family and followers. And uh, we love Hawaii. Uh, We've never been to Hawaii. So maybe we need to come stay at the, what do you call it? Your condo. Yeah. (laughs) What's the second one's name now? I don't know. We got to do a 2.0, I guess. You have to have a name. (laughs) Um, We've never been to Hawaii, but it's on our list as well. Okay. So I I love my, one of my favorite things um, that I love about you and that I have learned from you is that when you're dealing with the people that are following you. So let's mm-hmm. talk about social media real quick. Yeah. Because I mean, you've got like 590,000 followers <laughs> on Instagram. You have an email list. You have all of these things. Um, there are women who are listening who we we love social media and we hate social media. We love mm-hmm. social media. We hate social media. And I've said before that my social media has moved more towards I use it to think through business things, yep. which I think that you do as well. When did that change for you? Yeah. I mean, it was funny. The other day I was shooting one of my last weddings ever. And one of the bridesmaids was like, Oh my gosh, did you cry? No, I'm ready. You were like, you were like, I'm ready. (laughs) One of the bridesmaids stopped me and she goes, how do you become an influencer? And I was like, Oh sister, this is a long conversation not to be had while I'm taking pictures of a bouquet. Um, you know, A few years back was when I really started to be strategic when it came to social media. And I think for so long, we were focused on Facebook pages. And now the focus has shifted to Instagram. And it's another place that can totally take over your identity. And I know that I have gotten sucked in from time to time. Um, But when it comes to social media as a whole, what I really think we need to bring back to it is the social aspect of it. Nowadays, you can walk down the street, you can sit on an airplane, you can be just about anywhere and just watch people mindlessly scrolling. They're not stopping to double tap. They're not stopping to read. They're not stopping to type. And I think that what we've lost is the social part of it. And so when I think of social media, I think of it as a connection. How can we actually connect with our people? How can we connect with people that need to hear our messages? And when you talk about the love-hate relationship, I think so many of us feel that. But I really want to challenge people to take back control of your own experience. Because if there are things that you hate about social media, the coolest thing about it is that you're in control of what you're seeing, what you're consuming, what you're ingesting, what is influencing your day. And when I started to really take responsibility for that, that was when social media became fun again. When I was like, I can open my feed and feel inspired and not feel bitter. And when I can celebrate people's successes and not question my own. And when I can look at the things that she's doing and not say, well, why am I not doing those? And I mean, I went through a purge. Like I had to get rid of following a lot of people, even people that I know and love in real life because of the own bitterness in my heart. And it's a challenge to us because 
we are the users and we're in charge of that experience. Both the experience that we offer to our followers, whether it's a hundred or a hundred thousand, we're also in charge of the experience of how and when and what weight we are allowing our consumption to control us. Oh, I love it. I've said that before. A couple of months ago, I went through and unfollowed hundreds of people. And some of them, like you said, were people I knew. And it wasn't like I didn't like them. It was my own heart that was struggling. And some of them I followed back again because I need to deal with myself. And I love that we have control over that. Absolutely. Uh, If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike, and it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Um, okay, so social media, you are, I feel as though you look at your social media and say, you're going to get the real me. Here's here's yeah. here's Jenna, this is all you get. Now, you do something that every time I see it, I get sweaty armpits. <laughs> what is it? Okay, I get sweaty <laughs> armpits. And I think to myself, she's so confident when you put pictures of yourself up in your underwear. Yep. Let's talk about it. Sweaty armpits, Jenna. <laughs> so literally. Let's okay. So first thing. Oh, and let's do yeah. this. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Congratulations. I need you to tell us how big of a deal this is that you just got named something really, yeah. really exciting. So, and it goes along with this. Okay, so let's break this down first. Because it sounds hilarious when you say, it, but it's actually entirely it true. does sound it doesn't say it's not bad, you guys. <laughs> so the other day I'm I we recently moved closer to home and I was with my dad and my dad is like gets kind of awkward and he's like this really big dude. And he's like, uh, hey Jenna. And I'm like, what? And he's like, so um I I was on Pinterest the other day and I saw you in your underpants. And I was like, first off, dad, I didn't know you knew how to use Pinterest. And second off, I hope you know why I was in my underpants. So I was recently named one of Aerie, which is an incredible company. Um, but I am one of the Aerie Real Role Models. And it's actually a really big deal. And basically what it is, is Aerie is a company, um, their parent company is American Eagle. And they have committed to showing non-retouched photos for years. I've worked with them for years. And it just kind of feels like I graduated into this role of um, really being a mentor to other women and talking about some of the things that really give us sweaty armpits. And so 
I am a size 10, 12 woman, and my body has changed so much over the years. And when we start talking about pregnancy, I'll kind of explain a little bit more of how that's played into all of this. And for so many years, I hid. Um, I hid under clothes. I hid from photos. I kind of laughed it off and said, I'm a photographer, so I don't have to be in pictures. Mm. And I feel like there are stages of my life that weren't even documented because of how uncomfortable I was in my skin. And um, I recently shared a post where sometimes when I look at photos, I don't even remember the moments. I remember the insecurity I was feeling in that moment, um, thinking, mm. oh, my arm is fat or my armpit fat is showing or whatever that is. And once I started to just show up and to talk about these things, um, I think that it initially started almost as a coping mechanism so other people couldn't say those things about me. Yeah, we do that. Yes. Like I'm going to self-destruct yes. so that you can't. And I think yeah. that when I look back on it, um, as my following grew, of course, there were people that would love to point out my flaws. And instead of allowing them to do that, I would just do it for them and say, yes, I have cellulite. Yes, I have 10 extra pounds. Yes, I have big arms, whatever that was. And um, the messages just started resonating. And it still honestly makes me nervous, but I am at this place in my life where I am not going to miss out on life anymore because I'm worried about an extra inch on my hips or an extra bump on my legs. Like I want to live life because the thing is, and I'm sure you can relate, you look back at photos of yourself and you remember being insecure and now you see yourself as the most beautiful woman. And you're like, how could I not have enjoyed that moment? Because if I could just go back and shake that version of Jamie and say, Jamie, you are beautiful. And one of the biggest um, learning points for me that kind of goes along with my faith is I remember being at this workshop. There was this young girl and she's probably seven years old and she had freckles and she had the most crooked teeth ever. And she had all of these little quirks that just made her so beautiful and so unique. And I imagine that girl one day looking at media and crying to her mom and saying, mom, you messed up on me. Like, I am not beautiful. And you did this to me. And I thought, this is what we're doing to our creator every single day that we stand in front of that mirror and say, God, you messed up on me. Like, why did you make me this way? Why am I not perfect? And I really started to realize like, we have to change that narrative. And if no one else is out there doing it, like I want to be that person for those young girls to say, like, I can stand here fully confident just as I am. I'm choosing to love myself, even though it is the hardest choice I will make today. And I want to give you permission that you can love yourself just as you are in this moment. I would imagine that this conversation has resonated with so many women. So many women and so many girls. And I think the best compliment I can get is when mothers send me messages saying like, I told my daughter to follow you um, mm -hmm. because that means more to me than anything. It's like those critical ages where we're taught that definition of beauty that it's one size fits all. And that it's, you know, this white girl with flawless skin that's a size two, whatever that looks mm -hmm. like. And there are so many definitions of beauty. And if no one else is going to publish them, then it's our turn to be that representation. Mm. So have you had pushback from, oh, and, yes. and I don't mean pushback <laughs> from saying, oh, you, you're not the right body type. I mean, have you gotten yeah. pushback for being so vulnerable with your photos? 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. To be honest, um, I have such an incredible group of followers. And I think that one of the biggest and best things about the work that I do is that I know who it's for and I know why I'm doing it. And so I remember my parents are Christian and my mom freaked out the first time that I posted a photo in my bra and underwear. And I mean, I feel like any mother would. Right, uh-huh. <laughs> and she said, oh my gosh, because I asked her one day, I was like, have I ever done anything that's made you nervous online? And she goes, honestly, the first time you did that, I, I did get nervous. And she goes, and then I started to read the comments. Mm. And I started to see that there is so much of a bigger goal here. And let me be candid. My audience is 97% female. Mm-hmm. I am not posting these images for men. Right. I am not posting them in a way that is sexualized right. or that is insinuating anything in that totally. nature. And and so it really helps me to show up because I'm showing up for my girls. Yeah. Like I'm not showing up to be called hot or sexy. And let me tell you, not very men are commenting those things on my photos. Mm-hmm. And that is proof that that like I'm reaching the right people. But I have been um, actually hit sometimes by the Christian community saying like, these are images that only should be between you and your husband. And I'm saying, but you're missing the point. Like I am so careful in the choice of clothing, Mm -hmm. in the location that I'm shooting in, in the way that I'm showing up. And I think that that speaks more to my faith than just hiding under clothes like I did for all of those years. Well, I think that, you know, no matter, even it does give me sweaty armpits, um, (laughs) the message that you're sending is so needed for women today in the world. There's another person I follow on Instagram. She lives here in Austin and she babysits for one of my girlfriends friends and she's kind of Instagramming and journaling her journey of um, getting healthy. Mm -hmm. And just, it's so encouraging. It's just when I see people who are beginning to like own themselves and love their bodies, it's really, really encouraging for all of us who have walked through hard things of not liking things about us. And so kudos Mm -hmm. to that. And again, congratulations uh, with the RA thing. That's so great. Guys, I know you're loving this show, but first I want to thank our sponsors. First, I want to thank Build-A-Bear. You know, a birthday is a big deal to a kid and it's a big deal to everyone at Build-A-Bear Workshop too. At Build-A-Bear, there are special birthday offers and one-of-a-kind experiences so you can make memories that last a lifetime. Their interactive Count Your Candles offer is a fun way to make a special birthday memory while also saving on a classic Build-A-Bear furry friend. During their birthday month, kids get to count their own candles before making their birthday treat bear. The birthday treat bear is a teddy bear made just for birthdays that only costs as much as the age you're celebrating. If your child is turning five, the birthday treat bear only costs $5. When a child celebrates their birthday at Build-A-Bear Workshop, they get the full Build-A-Bear experience, plus a special birthday heart ceremony, birthday party hat, happy birthday song, and more. Visit buildabear.com for more details on the Count Your Candles offer and all the fun ways to celebrate birthdays at Build-A-Bear Workshop. This offer is valid in stores for bonus club members. Create an account in stores or online to join the bonus club for free. Okay, guys, I also want to thank Third Love. You're gonna love Third Love because here's what they do. They use thousands of real women's measurements and then they design bras with breast size and shape in mind so that they fit impeccably and feel even better. And now you guys, since they've added 24, yes, you heard me right, 24 new sizes, Third Love offers the most options of any brand with a total of 70 different sizes. From premium ultra soft smoothing fabrics 
to expert design features like straps that don't slip, the details truly do make the difference. Here's a special detail that I love. The labels are even tagless. There's not an itchy label on your bra bothering you all day long. And because Third Love guarantees a perfect fit, returns and exchanges are free and easy. Try out their bra. See if you like it. If not, exchange it for something new. Third Love knows that there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering all of my listeners, which is you because you're listening, 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash Jamie right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash Jamie for 15% off today. All right, here's the rest of my conversation with Jenna. Okay, let's move into you're growing a baby. Yes. Uh, you are growing a baby and you posted a photo the other day of you in the cutest swimsuit with your baby bump. And I did, I, the last time I grew a baby was like 15 years ago. And I said, I would wear that yes. now if I was growing a baby. And I didn't then. I don't think I ever put a swimsuit on when I was growing a baby, but <laughs> my baby was also born in January, but you're growing a baby. Congratulations. But it has not been an easy road for you. Not at all. I'm so... Should we dive in into that? <laughs> yeah, let's dive in. And, you know, you, I asked you if we could talk about this. I'm not just throwing it at you, but I actually have a lot of women who come to me and say, hey, can you have someone come on the show and talk about walking through miscarriage? Yes. Uh, because here's what I've learned. I've walked through two miscarriages a lot, many years ago. But what I see, and I'd love to hear what you think about this as well, Jenna, is that a lot of times women don't feel comfortable talking about it. Mm-hmm or they don't feel as though anyone understands, or they look around and all they see are people having babies and they don't see anyone walking through this. Let's talk about your experience in walking through this. Yeah. So my husband and I got married pretty young, um, right out of college. And we did not want kids. Like we had told our parents, like, we just love each other so much. I don't think we're ever going to have kids. And that was the first five years of our marriage. And we were just really confident that we wanted time, the two of us. Um, and it was a really, really special season of life. And then both of our siblings started to have kids and we got to watch people so close to us kind of transform into moms and dads. And it kind of lit this fire in us like, all right, maybe we're getting to that point. And so When we were about five years married, we started trying and we were really, really fortunate to get pregnant right away. And we found out in Hawaii, which is why Hawaii is just such a special part of our story, that we were expecting our first baby. And I had this feeling. And a lot of times when people talk about faith and they talk about feeling called or, you know, that they felt like the Lord had kind of interceded in their life, I've never really felt that until this happened. And one of the first things I told Drew is I said, if we lose this baby, I want to share it. And it was a very weird thing to say when you had just found out you're pregnant, you had no Mm -hmm. history of miscarriage. No one in my family had had a miscarriage, but I just felt almost a peace in that, but also a really big fear that that was going to be our story. And I don't know about you, Jamie, but Sometimes when everything in life is going so well, you're almost waiting for that hardship. Like you're kind of waiting. Well, I'm always waiting because I'm a six. So I always think (laughs) the shoe's about to fall. (laughs) And I don't know if that was it, that like life was just so good. And I was like waiting for what that hard thing would be. But Mm -hmm. I remember calling my sister and telling her so excitedly, like, oh my gosh, we are pregnant. Drew was reading daddy books on the flight home. Like we were so excited, but I also just had this feeling that maybe something wasn't going to be right. And so 
we went in for our first appointment. Um, they couldn't find a heartbeat, but we were still kind of early. And so we had to wait another week and then go in again. And then it was confirmed that we had had a missed miscarriage. And so my body was still holding on to the baby and we had to wait a few more weeks. And, um, I just, is that what a missed miscarriage yeah, is? I've never heard yeah, that. So your body doesn't recognize that the pregnancy isn't viable. And so I actually carried until 10 weeks, but our baby passed away at a little over six weeks. So I carried okay. for another month. And that was probably one of the hardest things in my entire life is your body still thinks it's pregnant, um, but it's Jeez. not doing its job to remove the pregnancy. And so I felt mm-hmm. like a ticking time bomb, um, but I also was just so angry. Like I was angry that one, this happened, but two, that my body didn't recognize that it happened and that every single day I was waking up feeling pregnant, but not pregnant. And um, mm. it was just devastating. And so right when it happened, um, I decided like, we need to talk about this because we knew so many of our friends had been through this and it was like that quiet thing in the room that you don't bring it up and you don't talk about Mm -hmm. it, but you know it happened and you're not quite sure how to approach it. And so uh, we made the decision at the time to put it out there, to share it. And for me as a mother, it was like the way to honor that life that we never got to meet, but that life that we had imagined was going to change ours. And so we waited an entire year to try again. And that is one of the joys and pains of being a wedding photographer is you can't just get pregnant any other month. Uh, You got weddings to shoot. You got to show up for these clients. And so we waited an entire year. We actually found out we were pregnant the second time in Hawaii again. And it was kind of this deja vu. It was this beautiful feeling, but it was also like almost like, ooh, this feels kind of weird. Yeah. And so the second time around, we went in for our appointment and we heard a heartbeat. And it was yeah. the most beautiful sound on planet Earth. And we thought, this is it. It's finally happening. We did the Lord's will. We created this community of people who had suffered loss. We had showed up even in the hardest of the days in the in the grieving. And now God was giving us our redemption song. And this is the hallelujah we've been waiting for. And so our doctor said, I want for you to come back in two weeks just to make sure everything is good, um, but you've made it through a really critical period. And so I was like, okay, let's do this. So We go back in and we got the news again, like there is no heartbeat. Mm. And I was angry. I was so upset. Like, why does this have to be our story? God, I did the hard work. Like I showed up, I was your servant. Like, why do we have to go through this all over again? And I remember the day after we had gotten the news. I remember waking up in bed and thinking, this exact thing has happened twice. Like, am I broken? Like, is this what Mm -hmm. our story is going to be? Because it was till 10 weeks, had to have another surgery, same scenario. It was way too similar for it to be a coincidence. And I was just terrified. Like, how can we go all these years without wanting to have kids? And now suddenly we want them and we can't have them. Like, it's so crazy. And so once again, we went through the process, we shared our loss, we talked about it, we opened up the opportunity for people to share their losses with us. And it is heavy stuff. Like it is Mm -hmm. not a light way to uh, invite your audience in, but it was so important. And so, you know, it is 
just been this journey. Um, I feel like I stopped dreaming. I stopped planning a family because I just didn't know. Like I never expected it to take two and a half years. Um, and I never really expected that this would be the story that we would walk. And so after our second loss, I ended up hiring a naturopath fertility doctor. Um, and I just started doing a lot of hard work on myself. I think building a business is freaking hard, but working on those parts of you that feel broken is the hardest way to show up in the world. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, as we started to try again for the third time, a year later, um, I was just ready. I was grounded, but I was nervous. And so I'm so happy to report that we are pregnant. Um, the baby is kicking as we record this and it is the most surreal thing in the world, but it still hasn't been easy. I think so often Mm -hmm. we look at like this baby will fix what was broken. And once this happens, I will forget about what has happened. Um, but honestly, I feel like in any stage of life, when you experience loss, um, this pregnancy has been so hard because I intentionally didn't want to connect to this baby in case we walked that same road. And I just remember laying in bed with my hands on my stomach being like, are you there? Like, is this real? Mm. Um, and so it's just been this roller coaster. Um, and it's been so wonderful. And I've been able to connect with so many women who are struggling to get pregnant or who have struggled with miscarriage or who found out that they cannot conceive. Um, but even sharing our joy was really scary because I knew that it had the mm-hmm. potential to hurt other people. And so it's definitely just been this delicate time in our lives that we're just navigating as best as we can. What has it been like you you talked with the first two pregnancies that ended in miscarriage mm-hmm. about the anger that you felt like, mm-hmm. God, why? I mean, and that we can all relate to that. We've all had moments where we're like, God, this makes me angry. And, mm-hmm. and, and we believe God can handle that. But how did that change in that year after that second miscarriage or did it? Like, what did that journey with your faith look like in dealing with, is this going to be my story? Like, yeah. how did you, how did you put that together in your brain? You know, it's so interesting because my faith walk has just been this series of straying from God and coming back to Him and straying and coming back. And I feel like I'm constantly coming home to my faith um, because I love control. And I feel like with miscarriage, it was the first time in my life where I couldn't pay money to fix something. I couldn't work harder to make it work. I had to really surrender. And when I entered this year, my word of the year was just surrender. Like, what will this look like if I can really truly trust? And I think that that was so incredibly hard just after wanting to take a magic pill or to Mm -hmm. change my diet and believe that that would make it happen. Um, And I think that so often we lean into science when we can't choose faith. And so I wanted all the tests run. I wanted to figure out why this was happening and what I could do. But really, I think that the biggest work that I needed to do was just to surrender. Um, Mm. We made so many changes in my lifestyle from diet changes to hormones, to all these things to try to make this pregnancy successful. But at the end of the day, like we had to know and trust and believe that it was in God's hands. And one of the things that has been so beautiful about our journey. And I think that hindsight is I was 2020 and it's so hard when you're walking through the valleys to even imagine a peak in front of you. Um, but 
I can see God's hand in the last two and a half years in the biggest ways that he has ever showed up in my life from changing um, the way that we were working. I mean, I was working around the clock. I had no Mm -hmm. team the first time I became pregnant. When I had my miscarriage, I was in the middle of like this launch for my business and I had no help. So I had to just show up knowing that there's a baby inside of me that wasn't alive anymore. Mm -hmm. And then looking at just how we've created systems and built a team and created this life that is going to be such an incredible life to bring this baby into. And um, we actually ended up moving home for me, which is in Minnesota. And I just felt like I needed to be with my family. Like I needed to be able to have this support system. And the day after we moved home was the day that we found out we were pregnant. And so it was like, baby bird needed her mama. Like, I don't know what that was. Um, but when it comes to looking at just God's hand in all of this, I think that throughout the whole thing, we knew that there was a bigger plan, but it's sometimes hard to believe that we knew it, but like, how could this be the plan? How could this be what God wanted for our lives? And seeing even now, you know, I feel like being a mother, you never stop worrying. You know, my baby is probably safer inside of my belly than it will ever be inside of this world. And yet I'm still worried. Um, but it's just this constant reminder to go back to him, to come home to him, um, because he really hasn't let us down yet, even in our losses. Mm. Oh, it's so good. It's so true. And I think that's going to be super encouraging no matter where someone is. Mm -hmm. Um, with a pregnancy journey or with anything else that they're walking through that's suffering. Um, Are you and Drew going to find out what you're having, boy or girl? No, we're not. We're keeping it a secret and a surprise. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, wait. You're keeping it a secret from the world or from yourself? No, we don't know. We won't know. We aren't going to find out. I get so frustrated with people like you, Jenna. (laughs) You know, after after losing two babies, we just don't care. Yeah. Uh, and like, I just feel like in life we can get answers. We can Google almost anything. And like, how could this not be the best surprise of our lives? You know, here's the deal. When people say they're not going to find out, it makes me, I'm like, you're, I'm mad at you for like not fulfilling my desires. Yes. But I can, I did not, did not do that. I knew I was having, but I can only imagine the joy that comes because it's like delivery is so mm-hmm. difficult and stressful and hard. And then there is this, not only is there the huge prize of a baby at the end, but there is like, what is it? Um, yes. So the, I feel I, like it's going to be my pushing like yes, power. It's yes. like the faster I do this, the sooner I'll find out what it is. Oh, are you going to have someone <laughs> photograph? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I've actually been fortunate enough to photograph births and it is honestly even more powerful than a wedding day. So much more powerful. Um, and so, yeah, I've always wanted to have a birth photographer. We're having our baby in December, so it kind of makes it a little challenging because we get like blizzards up here. And so we're just trying to figure that out. I know. I'm like, we got to figure out a plan just in getting to the hospital safely and having someone there for it as well. I have always wanted to witness a birth. I never have, except for, you know, TV shows, which is not entirely real. But I had a girlfriend one time, Laura, and we live like three or four houses down and she does home births. And so I was like, this is my chance. Like she's going to text and say, hey, pray for me. I'm I'm in labor and I'm just going to show up at her house. Like she wasn't going to invite me. I literally was just going to show up. And and she knew I would do that, but I don't care. I was going to do it anyways, even though she's said, I don't want anyone there. I would show up. I'm that person. But every time she had three babies in that house, every time she had them, I was out of town. I was like, what is happening? I know it is a miracle. Like it is such a miracle. And I think too, being able to witness a birth has given me a lot of peace in Mm, just trusting that I will know what my body needs. Like 
nowadays when people have all these elaborate plans, like God bless you if that makes you feel better. But for me, I just want to walk in with an open mind and trust that like my instincts will know what I need and what's best for both me and the baby. And so we're just going in very open. Women have been delivering babies for years and years and years. Yep. And God made our bodies to do that. Uh, Okay. Well, I'm super excited for you. I cannot wait um, (laughs) along with everyone else to find out what you're having. Congratulations. Thanks for being open with your story as well. Um, Jenna, what are you reading these days? Yeah. So I made a rule that I can only read books for pleasure because as entrepreneurs, we can get so sucked into all the self-help and business marketing books. And so I have only been reading for fun and it has been so, so lovely. So I read a lot of Kristen Hanna. I love Ann Voskamp. She is Mm -hmm. incredible. Um, And I love Jodi Pickles. Like she is such a great author. So I've just been reading a lot of books for fun and that's kind of how I unwind at the end of the day. And those are the books that I'm really ingesting. I love it. I love it. Okay. What are some things you're loving in life right now? So I am just loving being home. I, just like you, James, am on the road all the time and in airports and flying to different places. And it just feels so good to be home and doing what I love. And we're going to get started on the nursery, which we probably should have started on a little sooner. Um, (laughs) I think you guys can handle it. We got this. And so I'm just loving being at home and kind of making our new house a home. Jenna, thank you for joining us on the happy hour. Um, It is such an honor. You are just such an inspiration for me as a businesswoman. And I've been super proud of the way that you've handled your losses um, in the public eye. And so thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yours is one of the first shows I ever listened to when I didn't even know how to operate the podcast app. I figured it out. So thank you for just uh, allowing me to share my story today. Well, you're so kind. I love your show as well. So that's super fun. Okay, thanks, Jenna. Guys, don't forget that Third Love's collections are designed by women for women. So you're going to love the way you feel under each and every look. Right now, they offer over 70 sizes and more than a dozen styles, so you'll find the perfect bra for every moment and for every outfit. Get 15% off your first purchase by going to thirdlove.com slash Jamie today. You guys, I know you would love Jenna. I had to ask her about what it's like to post pictures of herself on the internet, on her Instagram, in her undies. I just had to know. If you follow her on Instagram, tell me you were dying to know as well. I was thankful for her answer. I love the things Jenna's doing. I'm happy for her and Drew for their new bundle of joy that they're going to be welcoming into the world soon. Follow her on Instagram. Go listen to her podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Next week, my guest is Taylor Nichols and you will adore her. When I met her for the first time, I knew that I had been introduced to one of the most compassionate women I've ever met. I tell her on the show that she's one of the best friends I've ever known. She is such a good, good, good friend. And you're going to hear her story of how she grew up in an organization that was not teaching truth and what her life looks like now, loving God, even though she's been hurt by an organization. We're also going to talk about what it looks like to walk through grief. She was 28 when she lost her daddy, and we walked through that conversation as well. You guys, happy September. Happy football season. Hook them horns. You guys, enjoy your week. Share the happy hour with a friend. Just tell them, say, hey. I got this podcast. I think you'll like it. It's called The Happy Hour with Jamie and Ivy. Even show them how to download it on their phone. Share The Happy Hour with a friend. Have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you guys back here next week with my guest, Taylor Nichols.